0: I'd invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in your Bible. And while you're going there, I want to relay a little story. story's been told about a person going to a leper colony in India. And the man showed up and he was went to the compound and he just viewed everything from from the very from a cafeteria to the, the places where the men and ladies were housed, he got the whole had the whole gamut. Well he, at noontime, he heard a gong. and that announced, made it so the folks would come from wherever they were and come to the cafeteria to eat lunch. Now as he was watching this, all at once, he heard these people before he even saw them. He heard, the laughter of two people. He goes, man, that is loud. After all the, the mumble and the jumble, but he could hear laughter. And then all of a sudden, he sees two men, one on top of the other, running from the place where they, where they were, their place of residence, going, and they were running around the compound. Well, he was going, what in the world is going on? One was riding the other one. And he goes, this, okay, this is, this is different. One was pretending to be a horse, and the other one, I suppose, was pretending to be a jockey, even though, they, anyway, they were both having a great time. And their attitude was infectious. I mean, he watched this and go, he couldn't help but smile. But then all of a sudden, he noticed something. He noticed that the man who was carrying his laughing friend was blind. Well, that's interesting. And then he noticed the man who was being carried, his legs were shriveled. So you had a blind man running around. He couldn't see. But he was being guided by a man who could see but couldn't walk. And together they helped each other and they found great joy in doing it. Imagine a church like that. Imagine a church where each member using his or her own strength to make up for the other person's weaknesses. Using their gifts to build up the body of Christ. Christ. Again, I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where we'll continue with our series, Gifted to Serve, which is a study of spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit who was sent by Jesus to baptize and indwell us. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was also given spiritual gifts to every believer who has trusted Christ as their Savior. And that means every single one of you who has bowed the knee to Christ. Each one of you, each myself, we've been given a gift. Well, taking this truth even a step further, I hope we might wonder, well, why have we been gifted? Why It's not because, well, I want to play the piano great. I want the gift of music to be able to play. Or I want to be able to, to, to heal someone. No. We've been given the gifts. The answer is in, found in, in verse 7 of chapter 12, where he writes, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the other person. So much like the two men in the story, today we'll observe, we'll observe Paul's description of the body of Christ working together as one. I'm going to ask you to stand up as I read our passage this morning. I'm going to read the passage in its entirety. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. It goes to the end of the chapter. The word of the Lord. For just as one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For one, in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do you all work miracles? Do you all possess gifts of healing? Do you all speak with tongues? Do you all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts that I will show you a still more excellent way. May God bless the reading of his word and may the Holy Spirit of God communicate to us what each one of us needs to hear this morning. Please be seated. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to don't raise your left hand, but just put your left hand In front of your body. Everybody needs to do this, all right? So put your left hand in front of your body. Now take your right. Do that, Mr. Cop. Don't don't pull that on me. Now grab your right hand, put your right hand around your left wrist. Now I want you to take your hand and just move it, move it, move it, move it, move it, move it, and I want you to say, Thank you, God, for being such a great God follow. Yeah. Thank you, God, for being such a great God. Now, you can put your hands down. Have you ever thought how amazing the human body is? Of course, it's a case for evolution, right? We all travel out of a, an amoeba, made its way out of a, out of a pond. Really? The body is amazing. Our bodies are amazing creations. We're able to praise God, move our fingers, even grab our hands, and even make fun of a friend all at the same time. It's something that God has truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. And Paul uses the body in 1 Corinthians 12 to describe his church. According to the Scriptures, we are described as Christ's body on earth. In Ephesians 5, He is the head. means He's the top. He runs the entire thing. And we are individually members of His body. And just as the human body, when it's working as it should, can be and should be something beautiful, it can be an industrious, it's able to do great things, so too the church so too the church when it is working in harmony. But when the natural body is ill, hurting, or disfigured, not able, to de- not able to be all that it can be, so too is the church when the church is hurting. When the church body is not being all that it can be, we're, we're not performing At top-notch, and that ought not be so. Well, speaking of the church, we often fail to live up to the level that we could because we simply don't understand what and who we are. We don't understand. We're saved. I understand that. But do we know what we're saved for and saved to do? Sorry. We don't take care of our own body and the church body as we should. We spoke about this two weeks ago, but it needs to be repeated. In verses 12 to 14, we, and I'm talking about the big church, the universal church, and our church, the small C, Rosedale Bible Church, our local church, are one body, unified, One body, unified. We have and all are individually indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. You're not a believer if you're not indwelt by Christ's Spirit. You're not. We have all been empowered, been gifted to serve God and serve one another, but we don't always act that way. We might not understand or believe that this is so, and we need to embrace the truth that we are one in the Spirit and one in the Lord. Somebody ought to make a song about that. The bottom line is, we need each other to be whole. We need each other to be whole, to be the best that God designed us to be. I have an illustration that maybe could possibly help Do you remember a box kite? Do you remember box kites? All right, so in a place around here that the wind didn't really blow enough to work here, only on certain days. But a box kite, you need a string. You need sticks. You need paper to wrap around the kite. You need to be able to put, probably even need tape. You also need a cloth what used to be called, it's called a tail that hangs down from the, from the kite that allows it to fly straight. Now, oh, wait, we need wind. I almost forgot wind. Now, what happens? Case in point, the string breaks. What happens if a paper rips on one of the ends of the kite? What happens if the person gets distracted who's holding the, the string? It's not that funny. What happens if the tail gets caught in the tree? What happens if the wind dies down? It doesn't fly. The kite crashes. Now, with all these things in mind, which part of the kite is more important? Because if any one of those things malfunctions, it goes down. They all work together as one. Just as the body of Christ is designed by God to do. One body, unified. Well, let's we'll move forward with the truth that Paul gives us, and, we'll all kind of, and we can all agree on when it comes to the body of Christ. Paul also is saying one body, diversified. One body, diversified. Now, we can all agree that there are many parts to the body, right? I know this seems redundant, but we have many parts. I don't think that's up for debate, but now we're transitioning about how the body is not being all that it's made to be. If we're all diverse, and we are, what are some negative attitudes that, and feelings that we can display? What, what are some of the negative attitudes? Well, first of all, in verses, I mean, we see from 15 to 20, Part of the body, they can feel useless and ineffective. Right? These people think this way, and I and I don't mean these people. I mean many of us, and at different times, I have felt this way. So you're not alone, but it's not right. I'm just saying, you're not alone. I'm expendable. I don't matter. I'm unproductive. I'm unqualified. I don't have the right education. I don't even have the right pedigree. One theologian has rightly said, and I quote, they consider themselves as an appendix, or the tonsils, or the wisdom teeth. Cutting them out of the church might even be a good thing for the church. On the other side, or maybe I should say since we're talking about the body, on the other hand, some people think that they are better than they would, than they think, well, yeah, I, they can't do without me. They're self-sufficient and superior. They alone feel, well, I, I make the world go around, and the church, tra- church travels through me. And they think, you know what, if others aren't just like them, they simply don't matter. The people who don't think like me, they don't matter. Or even worse, they aren't good enough. One group is self-debasing, the other self-aggrandizing. If you're wondering how you're doing, you might ask yourself these questions. Have you isolated yourself from the body of Christ or are you insulated by the body of Christ? Isolated or insulated? It's a big difference. One is dependent on Christ and his people and the other is self-reliant in danger of being separated from the herd, picked off and eaten by a roaring lion. For those who feel inadequate, Hear me, you are important. You've been placed by God here for a purpose. He has chosen you to be here for a reason. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. When we don't believe we belong or that we're but we're indispensable, we're saying, "God, you made a mistake." Hear me? God, you made a mistake. I don't want to be like so and so. They need to be just like me. Be careful. Be careful. Understand the truth that God doesn't make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. He can redeem anyone from any situation and use anyone he has placed in the body of Christ. You were here for a reason. And remember, even though we are diversified, we are one body. We can, can become in, we can become independent, either separating ourselves because of feelings of inadequacy, or the opposite, overconfident concerning our own abilities. And when this happens, the body gets really sick really fast. We're called to be just the opposite, which is one body interdependent. Another way to say this, it could be we need to be mutually dependent. Now, I want, to give, want you to give yourself another quick test. Four simple questions that could reveal where you are concerning interdependence. All right? The first, in the past month, did you share with someone from the body of Christ an area of need in your life? Second question, in the last month, did you express gratitude to another member of the body for what that person means to you? Third, this might be a little more personal, would the sign no help wanted fit you perfectly around your neck? No help wanted, I've got this taken care of. and fourth if someone would ask you how can i help you this week would you be embarrassed if we cut off any part of the body or when any part of the body declares independence from the rest it begins to die we need the so-called weaker parts and i underline this in my notes so-called there are no weaker parts in Christ's body none no one is an acceptable loss in fact verse 22 says on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable think of that believe that it's from God's word For those of you who are mechanical, a $3 seal can cost a race team a huge trophy. Oil leak out of a rear end, gone, it stops. For those of you who like to travel in your cars to go someplace on a a trip, do you know a 50 cent valve stem, if it breaks, guess what, your tire's flat. All these parts, cheap. How about those of you who cook? A half teaspoon of salt, if it's not put into a recipe, can ruin the whole thing. Or possibly even a half teaspoon more. I spoke about a child playing a part in a, in a play last week. Do you know that a little child who plays a tree is certainly an important part of a play. It's huge. The saint who prays prays for the success of a ministry and the souls of the sinners is as important as the face of the minister. It's important as the words of the person who's speaking. Let's get back to the body analogy. I think we can all relate to this. What happens in a windstorm if an eyelid doesn't work? What happens if an anvil and a hammer inside your inner ear, small little dinky parts, right? They don't, they don't matter. What happens if they don't work right? You don't hear The strong need the weak and vice versa. Look at verses 23 and following. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Now, I'm going to get really, really scientific and medically profound for all you folks right now. Case in point, the dangly little thing that hangs into the the back of your throat, that little thing that's in the backside of your mouth, that's a scientific term, right? the dangly little thing that we look and that they all look at? Well, the medical name for that is an uvula, uvula, thank you. It's a dangly little thing. (laughs) Thank you. I need to say uvula. All right. I wanted to make sure that I said that correctly or not. I could have gotten in trouble long ways. Well, the uvula is behind the gums and the teeth. But it's still important, isn't it? It's covered by these little white things that most people's are straight. What is the purpose of of your uvula, the dangly little thing? It's made of connective tissues, glands, and small muscle fibers. It secretes large amounts of saliva that keep your throat moist and lubricated. It also helps keep food or fluids from ending up in the space behind your nose and when you swallow. Would you think that that's important? I surely do. (laughs) It's less honorable. Let's continue with the second half of verse 23 and following where it reads, "In our unpresentable parts. We go from not... Not, let's say, (laughs) one that's not as honorable. Now to the unpresentable. Unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. I'm not going to dwell on this long, but that's speaking of the private parts of a person. They're covered up. For good reason, but do you understand that without a person's private parts, life ceases? But they are the most covered and delicate parts of the body. God's whole aim is that every part of His church is to be treated with the utmost respect and care. There should be no division, I mean a sharp division, in the church, ever. Everyone from the nursery age who works in the nursery all the way to Clara Cleaver is important. They're precious in God's eyes and they're priceless in God's economy. And every person is important to the body of Christ. We need each other. Which brings us to our last point. We are one body appointed. And you might ask, well, well, what do you mean by that, Danny? What what do you mean? Well, first I want to ask a question, and it's not a, a trick question before I answer the first. Who's the one doing the appointing? It's God. God is the one who appoints. Well, what does appointing mean? Appointing simply means to be set in place, to put in place. Here it means an official appointment to an office. And the bottom line is the, the logical inference here is the verses that no spiritual gift is intended for all Christians. No spiritual gift is intended for all Christians we're different. We've been given different gifts. The point that Paul makes is that God didn't want everyone to be an apostle. The Lord didn't want everyone to be a prophet or a teacher or to speak in a foreign tongue. No. Well, I want to quickly review the gifts named here. First, the Apostles. Their description is given in Acts 1. I would, if you have time, go ahead and just turn there quickly. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. Apostles, and this is where they were, they had to replace Judas. And the, tw- and the 11 at that time, they said, this, these are, this is the, what has to happen? This is, the Oh, goodness, I'm losing my mind. The description given. The job description. Verse 21 of Acts 1. Men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Okay, that's separating it down. All right? Beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. There are no capital A apostles alive today. I've been in places where they said, I'm an apostle. And I had to bite my tongue. We aren't privy to any of the words that Jesus wrote. We don't know whether he wrote on any paper. We know one time when he wrote on the ground. But the message that he gave was taken by these men to the world. These were the apostles. Prophets, men and women who were given words to speak directly from God's Spirit. Also, they were those who spoke a word from the Lord. They speak the truth of God. Teachers, people who were given the gift to build up the converts, won by the evangelists and the apostles. Miracles, those who were were given the ability to be used by God to supernaturally intrude on the laws of nature. The purpose, to prove the message, to prove the gospel is real, what I'm speaking is true. Healing, a believer who was able to speak to a person who had a physical ailment or a disease and the person would be supernaturally healed to provide the truth of the message that was given. Again, to prove the truth of the gospel, tongues, the spirit-given ability to speak an earthly language that they had not studied or spoken before, the interpretation of tongues, the supernaturally natural ability to be able to understand a language that is being spoken and to declare it. These people have been and ha- were appointed in the church. And the question that Paul asked beginning in verse 29 demands a negative answer. You, it's, you cannot answer it yes. Look at verse 29. We're back in, in 1 Corinthians 12. You could almost think, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No, they can't be. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No, but each person, each believer is given a gift to benefit the body of Christ. Paul closes chapter 12 out with the exhortation to desire the higher gifts. But I thought you said all gifts were important. I did. I did. I thought you said that gifts, all gifts are valuable. They are. The Corinthians were looking for gifts that were showy, that they could brag on. But a greater gift was one that edified the body. I believe that gifts that do edify the body are more important, and that answer will come in chapter 14. But speaking of gifts bestowed... I also believe that we should seek to improve our natural ability that goes along with those gifts given by God. If you have the gift of teaching, you need to do all that you possibly can to study how to do it better. If you have the gift of giving, understand your audience. Understand somebody who needs what, what you have to give but God is the one supplying that need and supplying that gift. If you work hard at helping others, if you have the gift of helps, do it to your best ability. But as we'll see next week, the gift means nothing, nothing unless they are bathed with love. And unlike these gifts that were given, each one of us given one or two or possibly more gifts, every single one of you are called to love your brother. Can't get away from that. I'm going to conclude with a a story. In a certain mountain village centuries ago, a nobleman wondered what legacy that he would leave. He must have been getting older in life, and he, what, what can I do where people will remember me, but even more so, I want to be, do something that builds up God. I want God to be pr- praised and honored. Well, he decided to build for his community a church. Now, this, this man was well off, but he wanted to do that for God and the people of the community. So no one saw the plans. No one saw the plans before they were built, and no one was allowed into it other than the workers as it was being built. And they all showed up when the day came come, come here. And when the people gathered, they saw this marvelous architectural marvel. It was beautiful. They could see the place. Oh, yeah, I can. Stained glass, pews that were hard so you wouldn't fall asleep on them. It had great beauty and completeness. And then someone asked now remember, this is a couple hundred years ago where are the lamps? Where where are the lamps? All they saw were holders all the way up and down the church. And the nobleman pointed to them and he said, as he gave each each family a lamp, this is your lamp, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. And every time you come to this particular place of worship, You'll put your light in its holder. And it will light up the area that you're at. But understand when you don't come, that place will be empty and that place will be dark. We all need each other to light. This is to remind you that whenever you fail to come to church, some part of God's house will be dark. We need each other. We need each other. Church, use your diverse gifts working together as one. Lord, as we come to you, to sing a final song before we leave. I first want to praise you. I thank you for saving us from hell. That first and foremost, that right now, I don't know why I'm impressed with that, but I thank you, Lord, for saving us from from hell, But even so, Lord God, thank you for saving us to life. Thank you for giving us new life. The ability to be able to love each other. To be able to, the ability to, to be able to share our gifts with one another. The ability to be able to go to our brothers and sisters and lift them up, whether it be physically or Spiritually. And most of the time, both. Lord God, may we understand and may we throw our selfishness aside. May we understand that we have been put here, placed here for a reason, and that is for the common good. Lord God, as we, I even pray now, impress on us, Father, how you want us to minister to each other, how you want us to minister to those outside of this church, how we can use our gifts for the common good for your glory. We honor you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.